everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Hello everyone, it's me, I'm back, I'm back for, uh, to, to finish the thing that I started last week. <laughs> uh, so last week I waffled on at length about half, sort of half, I think I've actually still got more to go um, this this time, uh, of 2021 K-dramas that I watched. So I'm covering K-drama that I watched in full mostly, but also those dramas uh, that I actually dropped and have therefore never talked about before on the podcast because I do like doing in-depth discussions about shows where I've seen all of the show. Uh, But today I do want to talk about the ones where I just didn't quite make it to the end or still haven't finished watching um, for quite a few of these, actually, current watches or things I intend to hopefully go back to. Um, So I guess I'll just throw myself right into it. Um, Thanks so much for turning up again this week to listen to the second half of this epic (laughs) journey (laughs) into the backlist of 2021. I think it's been a pretty good year for drama, to be honest. Um, And there's a couple that I'm going to talk about soon that I'm pretty excited about. So uh, let's just jump right in. So um, I'm going to get started. And basically, I got up to the July dramas. So I'm going to throw myself in and start telling you guys all about them, even though, you know, there's already episodes on the podcast about some of these. (laughs) But let's just do it anyway. Thanks for listening. Alright, so excuse me, but can you hear this? This is my cat purring. I just, I don't know if you can hear it on the podcast, but let's give it a go. Did you guys hear that? Anyway, she's purring. It's kind of cute. It's it's pretty distracting, but that's fine. So anyway, this is a podcast about K-drama. I guess I should talk about some fucking K-drama on here or something. Uh, so I'm going to get started with the second half of my year in review of 2021 with the 2021 drama called Devil Judge. That is a 16 episode social dystopian thriller and madcap journey through the future that came out in July. Uh, So this one, very interesting show for me. Why did I watch it? Uh, hmm. I watched it because I do a K-drama club with my friend Lizzie, who I met through this podcast, and this was just the random one that we decided. Neither of us really knew anything about it. So this one stars, uh, Devil Judge stars Jisong. So this was my very first ever Jisong drama, which is saying a lot because he's he's a highly famous man. He's in, um, what's that one where he has multiple personalities? (laughs) 
<laughs> He's in Dr. John, but this is a different one. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I've forgotten what that's called. I haven't seen any of his other dramas, which is probably why I forgot what it was called. I really, really liked Jisung in this. I thought he was great. Um, very great casting for the character that he plays. And his whole point of his character in Devil Judge, he literally plays the Devil Judge, is you just cannot get your head around this man. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he evil? What's he up to? What does he want? Um, and how far is he willing to go? Um, all fantastic questions for a thriller, I have to say. Uh, so the female lead in this, who is not super present at the start of the drama, but really like starts taking a major role um, about halfway through, is played by the actress Kim Min Jong. Uh, she is, oh my gosh, I loved her in this. She's bonkers, like absolutely fucking bonkers, like an absolute is sociopath the, the correct word? Like she's, she's not, she's not completely sane. Uh, I loved her. Um, she was pretty wild as a character. So Kim Min Dong, the actress, is from, she plays the hotel owner in Mr. Sunshine. She also is the female lead in Man to Man. Um, I loved her in this. Uh, yeah, if she was on screen, I couldn't really look away because um, it was so bonkers, I suppose. <laughs> uh, the male lead or one of the male leads is played by the actor Jin Yong, who's also a K-pop man. A very, very famous dude. And he was in He's Psychometric is one of his other dramas. Um, I think he has a cameo or a recurring role in Yumi Cells, which is another 2021 drama that I have not yet seen. Um, and also we have Park Yong, who is, uh, she was also in Dali and the Cocky Prince in 2021. And she has a kind of a smaller role in this, but I do really like her. Um, and then there's only one other actor that I want to mention, but I can't find his little face. Here he is on my little face list. So he plays the, like the, the South Korean president and he's just like, oh my gosh. He's intense. He's an intense man. He's dialed it up to one million on the scale of um, just being like screamy and shouty and intense. So this is the actor Baekhyun Jin. Uh, and he's crazy in this. Really crazy. Really good. Is he good? I don't know. He's a lot. He's a lot to handle, I feel. Uh, this guy also is in Happiness playing a slightly dialed down version of like the exact same character. <laughs> I feel like he's getting typecast, but he's very good at playing an asshole. So I guess that's what happens if you're too good at it. <laughs> so anyway, Devil Judge. Uh, I really enjoyed this show. Um, it is high concept, very twisty and turny, consistently surprised me. And I loved this very dark kind of near future that it creates. Um, I thought it was very clever. Um, I have to say it also looks extraordinary, like particularly the start of the drama. Like the, if you just watch the opening five minutes of this drama, I feel like my jaw just hit the ground. I was like, what the fuck is this? It's like, it's so stylish and just like gorgeous to look at it's weird because it's so dark and you know dystopian um but i loved this near future that it painted i loved the story i thought the characters were fascinating particularly for me ji song's like devil judge and also kim min jong's kind of mad woman i guess i don't know what you want a villainish kind of lady um they so interesting as characters, like so multi-layered, so 
oh, you know, Jisong's an absolute anti-hero. Like, you even struggle to call him a hero at all at times because of some of the decisions he makes. But it certainly makes for a fascinating journey to follow someone like this. So basically, the story is it's set in the very near future in Korea. Um, they've had, like, I think, you know, a long-term pandemic that's really fucked up their economy. There's a huge divide between the rich and the poor, like, really bad. There's, there's no middle class anymore. They've just dropped down. Um, so a lot of poverty. The rich are extremely rich and corrupt, control the media, control the government. Um, and there is one man who is a judge who they're creating like a live judging system. And it's supposed to be a way to make the government and the justice system look good by like showing that they're doing their jobs, but also, you know, making some money and entertainment in, in the time at the same time. But Jisong, our devil judge, has some, you know, nefarious plans that you really cannot understand at the start of the drama. You have no idea what this man's agenda is. And that certainly leads to a lot of exciting television. Um, so yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. And if I had to think, um, so same as last week, you know, the one thing that kind of stands out for me when I think about devil judge now, after having watched the whole thing, I think that the thing that I remember most and the thing that I guess I like most about this show is just the themes and the concepts and the ideas. Like it's a show where I would watch, you know, two episodes and then I'd go for a walk and I would want to tell everybody about it. You know, I was really like picking it apart and it made me think about ideas around this this dystopian near future because a lot of the stuff that it raises feels either real right now or very possible in the near future that you feel like things could easily move that way and then a lot of the scary aspects of the show feel like reflections of the world we live in. So even though this show, there's an aspect of mellow to it, there's a soapy aspect, but there's also this cold, hard, like, you know, look at the world and this reflection of some of the scarier things that are going on right now or that we feel like could be going on. And I think all of that stuff was fascinating, like so interesting. It just made me want to pick it apart and think about it and see how I felt around things. And just the amount of oh, scary social stuff in this drama that I recognized was interesting. So yeah, I think it, it's the high concept ideas of this show is what kind of I'm left with when I think about it now, even though watching the whole thing was just a wild ride and it was so much fun. And the other thing I guess stands out for me is, you know, Devil Judge himself, what a complex, interesting character. And um, Kim Min Jong's, you know, female lead character, who was very, very interesting to me. <laughs> so yeah, um, I do have a whole episode on Devil Judge in my K-drama podcast backlist if you want to hear me, you know, probably slightly more eloquently, I hope, but I can't guarantee, um, delve into what that story is about and all those mad themes and ideas in it, which were just so fucking cool. So yeah, I'm really, really glad that I watched this one. I think it was kind of an out of left field pick because it didn't, you know, my gosh, I don't know about other, like you guys listening, like if you do this as well, but I am... I do watch shows sometimes because I'm like, that story and idea is great. Like that does happen. 
But I have to say, I'm such a like, I'm such a about casting, you know, I, I watch things because there's someone in it that I like, um, I'm constantly following actors around and actresses as well. And then it's like you kind of looking for when the casting is great and the plot is great. But this one, because I, you know, I didn't really have much experience with any of these actors or know them particularly enough to like be drawn to the show because of them. It was a real just like, oh, you know, oh, give this a go. That sounds wild and unique and odd. And it was, it was all of those things. And I'm so glad that I watched it because I feel like this is the kind of show that might have potentially, like it didn't slip under the radar in terms of K-drama land because I know it's extremely popular. I know there's a lot of buzz around it, but like personally for me, I think it might've slipped through my cracks and just sort of like, you know, been one of those shows that I'm like, oh yeah, I want to watch that one day, but just never do. So I'm really, really glad I watched it. It really got me thinking about a lot of stuff. It was really interesting and a very unique show. Um, pretty bombastic at the end there, but that's fine. I liked it. So that's all I'm going to say on Devil Judge 16 episode dystopian thriller, um, social justice thriller thingy, thingamabobby. All right, cool. Yeah. Alright, so the next K-drama on my list that I watched in 2021 was Bossam Steal the Fate. So Bossam Steal the Fate is a 20-episode traditional saguk. So like a traditional historical. So no fusion, no youth, no like, you know, fantasy stuff. Uh, this one came out in May. I was all over this. Like the second it came out, I was watching it. I was just waiting for every episode every week, dying, trying to look up the soundtrack to listen to. Um, but I feel like, and this, I'm oh, so like, this is a really hard one for me. Um, so I haven't talked about Bossam on the podcast before because I didn't finish it. And the reasons why is not because it's not good, because it is, it's amazing. But I was so excited for this. Like, I feel like after uh, River Where the Moon Rises, which was, you know, at the start of the year, that was the thing I was most excited about. And then I heard about this drama um, and this was the next kind of big juggernaut release that I was like, holy shit, I cannot wait to watch this show. I'm so excited. So um, it stars Jong Yoo-ru, who I love. I've really had a resurgence with him. I guess he, he, you know, he was really big when I first got into K-drama, like maybe just over 10 years ago. And um, I really, really liked him back then. I don't know if I... Was I, I don't, I wasn't completely obsessed, but I really liked him. And then he disappeared for a while. I have heard since that he had health issues and he has done a really good job of, you know, working things out in his life. Good on him. Um, sounds like a very cool dude, but I don't know. I've never met him, to be honest. Um, very handsome dude, that's for sure. Uh, anyway, I really, really like him. That's my point. <laughs> and, uh, and he's, you know, he's an actor who's, he was in, um, Hechi and Cinderella and the Four Nights and a whole bunch of other shit. Um, many of which I have episodes upon. Um, and then, you know, recently he kind of started getting back into K-drama. So I did see him in Hechi, um, which is, I don't know when that drama came out, a couple of years ago. And I loved him in it, loved him. And then I got um, High Crush suggested to me, which is a little web romance, which I loved him in. So I had this big resurgence. So I was so excited when I saw that he'd been cast for this. And also traditional saguks are, like traditional saguks that have a romance focus, I feel like that might be, it's not 
it might be my favorite genre of K-drama. It's at least one of my top, top genres. I feel like my taste is so wild because I'm like, I love youth romances set in high schools. And then I love really like intense historicals that are serious and romantic and swoony, but also have like heaps of murder and torture and political shit in them. And I feel like those two like personal tastes are like really on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's very interesting that I love those two things so much. So anyway, um, I was so, so excited um, and I started watching Bossam, which is such a cool story as well. One reason I was really excited about it is jong Ru, the main male lead, he plays, you know, just a peasant guy. Like, so he's not upper class. He's not young bun. He's not a prince. He's not anything. He's just a lowly dude. And he is involved in some lonely, uh, not lonely, lowly, lowly making money kind of stuff. And I always really like when K-dramas, historicals, I mean, particularly Joseon, just because I loved the Joseon period. I'm very interested in that history. I love it when it focuses on, um, the lower classes. And I, I understand why dramas don't so much because Kings and Queens are fascinating. Um, and also of course, when you think about history, there's less history written about like, you know, lowly peasants or slaves or whatever. And there's a lot more detailed history and more exciting events, um, written about princes and Kings. And, you know, I get that king romances and stuff are super swoony um but I was really excited to just sort of see maybe a different side of history than what we maybe usually get to see and I loved the idea of someone so lowly being the main character so anyway these are all the reasons that I watched it um and my experience with the show was that the four the first four episodes were so good that I nearly died. Like I loved it. I just was obsessed. And then from the fifth episode till like, I don't know, many more episodes, it's just like, it was still so good. Like it was really, really good, but it just wasn't completely 100% perfect. But the first four episodes were, they were perfect. And when I say perfect, I mean perfect to my specific taste. <laughs> and then after the first four perfect episodes, it was still really good, but it wasn't exactly that specific thing that I'd wanted it to be, that I'd hoped it would be, that after the first four episodes, I actually thought it might actually be. And I think that I shot myself in the foot in terms of, what a weird saying, shot myself in the foot. Um, so <laughs> what I mean is I feel like my expectations were so huge that this drama could not live up to what I wanted it to be. And it's so annoying because I feel like if I just watched it as a drama, I think I would have loved it and really enjoyed it more so than what I did to the point where I'm like, I should just try and rewatch it sometime with like, you know, really lowered expectations and just enjoy it for what it is. Um, so yeah, that's kind of sucky. Uh, the story basically, which is great. Oh, I'll just quickly say, so the female lead in this is played by the, uh, Kwon Yuri. So I'm pretty sure Kwon Yuri is from Girls' Generation, which is very, very famous. Yep. She is Girls' Generation, um, famous K-pop, um, girls band. And she's very good in this. Like she's a great actress. Uh, the male lead, a uh, second male lead is Shin Hyun Soo. I've seen his face in some stuff. Um, I think he's in Hello My Twenties. 
And Lee uh, Joon-hyuk uh, is also in this and he's just, you know, a side dude. He's in happiness and a whole bunch of other people that you recognize their faces because it's, you know, it's a historical. So it's just filled with people that you know. Um, the story basically is jong Il-ru's character, who at first, of course, you just think is a lowly, you know, peasant but eventually you find out he has a bit of a, a birth secret and his family were met you know he's a young bun noble who got made into um a traitor and you know his family killed and his his sister and mother turned into a slave all this kind of stuff which you know i love i love all this stuff um so jong Il-ru is involved in this practice of the time called bossam i don't know why it's called bossam because my understanding is bossam is a little piece of what pork belly wrapped up with lettuce um but i presume that maybe they call it bossam this practice because you get a woman and you wrap her up in a blanket like she's a piece of pork belly and the blanket's a piece of lettuce i don't know i just made that up but it seems legit to me so we'll go with it but anyway uh, so bossam the practice of bossam in chosen times was um that someone who wanted to marry a lady who kind of maybe can't marry her because of i don't know if he's there's some reason the family objects or whatever might hire someone to go and um kidnap her bring her out and then you know i guess marry her or at least make it so the family has to marry her because of um you know very strict confucian chastity sort of you know tainted woman kind of reasons um so yeah interesting practice but anyway um so in this one jong Il-ru gets kind of involved in a bossum. He's going to get money. He's like, and you know, like every heist movie ever, he's like, this is the very last one of these I'm ever going to do. I'm never going to boss arm anyone ever again. And then when he's doing his very last ever boss arm, he it obviously gets fucked up to a massive degree. Um, and so he ends up kidnapping this woman and she, I think she's not, She is it that she's not, I can't even remember now. I feel like it's the wrong woman anyway. So he brings her back and he's like, fuck, what do I do with this person? She's actually the king's daughter. <laughs> and um, he can't. He can't sort of bring her back because um, the, the family, because she's a, she's a widow and the family that she was living with is obviously, you know, the family of her late husband and they are so afraid of the king finding out that the daughter got taken that they send out assassins to try and kill her and they try and fake her death basically because that's better for them politically um, than admitting that they lost her and that she got kidnapped under their watch. They're meant to be looking after her. And so poor Jung Iru finds himself in the worst position ever, which is death for himself and his family if anyone discovers that he has kidnapped this woman who he now has holed up in his little, you know, crappy little house with his very cute, cute little son, and he doesn't know what to do. So he's very gruff. He's a very angry dude. He's had a hard life. He has the cutest kid in the world. Um, I guess his wife has left him. Um, I don't know what happened there. I can't remember. Um, and meanwhile, you know, the second male lead who's in love with this woman who's been kidnapped is trying to find her. Um, so the first four episodes for me were just so good. And there's this thing where, you know, the princess hasn't really been having that great a life as a widow in this family. They don't really like her. They're not nice to her. They don't treat her well. And now she can't go back. She, you know, goes through all this awful stuff where she realizes even her father politically is kind of okay with letting her die, kind of suits him. And so she really has nowhere to go. And the only person she can rely on is this, you know, Jong Iru, who's this 
kind of very lowly peasant guy compared to her standing. Um, and he's very gruff and scary and he's trying to decide what to do to save the life of his son and wondering whether he needs to like you know I don't know kill her and murder her a little bit or not but he can't do it because he's just not this kind of guy um and so you know they end up relying on each other and just forming this really strange little family and I loved it I loved this idea of this forced family dynamics and the you know her and him sort of falling in love and and then and then why why I mean why didn't I love it the whole way I feel like I just wanted more of that and then they introduced a lot of side characters and I feel like then the romance I don't know there was just so much other stuff going on I can't even explain it I feel like I feel like I feel like it was probably really, really good. And I feel like a lot of listeners listening to this probably watched it and loved it. And I feel like I self-sabotaged my experience of this show. And I should probably just go back and rewatch it. Like this has happened to me so many times before where you just want something to be a certain way and it isn't. So you you drop it or stop watching it or don't enjoy it. And then if you pick it up, maybe a year later, you're like, wow, this is absolute gold. What was wrong with me? So maybe I'll try it again one day and do a proper episode on it. I hope so. Really hope so. But um, I'd have to start from the beginning because obviously I've forgotten everything now, <laughs> which is probably pretty clear from what I just said in my weird explanation of what this show is about. Um, so the one thing that stood out for me about Boss Arm, other than... <laughs> my sadness at my dashed hopes of it being the drama of the year, which again, that's my own fault. I did that to myself. Uh, it's just those perfect four episodes at the start that were perfect. I really feel like, man, after talking about this, I need to go back and rewatch it. I need to give this one another chance and watch it all again from the start properly with low or no expectations, I think, um, because I feel like it has the potential to be something that I would really, really like um, if I, you know, have an open mind. <laughs> All right, that was probably heaps, way too much talking about Bossam, Steal the Fate. The next K-drama on my list is another little shorty one. It was a, I guess like a web drama or whatever. Uh, this one is called Blue Birthday. It's 16 episodes, but each episode's only 20 minutes. So it's super short. Um, so what happened with me with Blue Birthday was this was one of those shows that I... I was watching too many shows at once. Um, so I was watching Blue Birthday as well as like a million other shows because I got too excited by everything that came out around July. There's a lot came out, July and August, I guess. Um, and then Blue Birthday, um, I can't remember if we got like two episodes a week or only one, but because they're so short, they're only 20 minutes. It's not enough. Like that's, I can't just watch, you know, one or two episodes of a 20 minute drama a week and then still stay completely invested so I'd say I watched about I'd say about five or six episodes I thought it was great I was so into this I thought it was brilliant and then I just sort of was like oh I want to wait until more episodes accumulate because this is driving me nuts like I don't like watching so little and then having such a long break between each episode because I feel like it just kept pulling me out of the show so I was like I'll go back to this later and as I record this at the very end of 2021 I haven't gone back to it yet <laughs> but I 100% intend to I thought the show was really good I think the concept like the story of Blue Birthday is so 
cool, like such a cool idea. Um, time travel, when it's mixed with romance, might be one of my I just love it. I think it's, I just feel like the stories that people come up with are so clever and fun and smart. And I wish that I had made this story up. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to, I'll just tell you like generally what the story is, or I guess I'll talk about the casting really quickly, but I have to say this is a drama I watched because I liked the sound of the plot. I was so excited by the story of this. I don't know anyone who's in it. So we've got uh, someone called Yeri. She's a female lead, someone called Yang Hong Sok. He's the main male lead. Uh, Lee Sung Joon is a support role and then loads of other people that I also don't know. <laughs> so I don't know if that's helpful for you or not. I'm not sure if these people are K-pops or actors or what, but this show, I mean, look, I haven't finished it, but I imagine, I don't know if it's good or not because I haven't finished it, obviously. <laughs> But I'm definitely going back to this one. This is one that I really want to watch. I really enjoyed what I watched, but I want to start from the start again and just, you know, watch it all at once, marathon it. Those episodes are way too short for waiting a whole week in between. So the story, which I think is brilliant, is about a young woman. I think, I'm not sure how old she is, maybe in her mid-20s, and she is doing well in life. But 10 years before, on her birthday... Um, she, at high school she was about to confess to her best friend who's this dude and when she went to confess that she loved him on her birthday she found him dead and he had you know, pretty graphic stuff he'd cut his wrists and he'd killed himself and so she 10 years later you know her life is good but she is haunted by the what ifs like she's so sad about this and however she comes across this camera um which was his with you know like proper film in it not a digital one <laughs> she gets the film um you know like developed and there's i don't know how many photos i can't remember like six or seven or whatever um oh it says it right from eight eight photos but anyway these eight photos are of different moments in her high school life with this boy that she loved with her best friend and for whatever reason that was quite funny to me because she just has this like mad open flame beside her bed for no reason she accidentally burns one of the pictures and when it burns she gets sucked back in time into her body of that time at that exact moment that the photo you know to relive that that scene or that time or whatever and when she goes back she obviously has free will and can do things differently from how she did it the first time so immediately she's like holy shit this is the opportunity to rewrite the past and save this boy that she loves his life and so she keeps trying you know she keeps burning the pictures and going back and trying to save him but of course by trying to save him she is now neglecting other parts of her life because to her this is the most important thing like she needs to save his life so she lets everything else slide that she would have been taking care of back then including you know other friends and other relationships and of course when she comes back to the future things are changing and getting fucked up so what a cool idea why didn't I think of this idea it's so good I just the concept is like gold it's so clever so I'm super super excited to get back into this one I really liked the characters I liked the way her 10-year grief is painted um I thought that was just it was sad, you know, you really buy that she's still thinking about him, she's still missing the what if and what could have been, you know, and this huge regret and sadness and grief in her life. Um, so yeah, I loved it. I was really into 
I was really into what I saw of this and I'm really looking forward to, especially after talking about it just now, um, kind of delving back into this one and, and hopefully doing an episode in the future on the whole thing together. Cause yeah, this was a really, I don't, and I don't know, I haven't watched the whole thing, but it certainly feels like it had the potential to be a really good watch. So yeah, I really liked it. So that's all I'll say on Blue Birthday, uh, a little sort of short one, 20 minute episodes, and there are 16 episodes in total, a youth, sort of a youth one. I feel like it's a high school youth one, even though like obviously in the future she's in her mid twenties, um, but yeah, really good. Okay. Uh, let's move on. So the next drama on my list is sort of not a drama, but I feel like it's only right to squeeze it in here because it is a kingdom spin-off. It is a movie, uh, or <laughs> as my site is saying here, it's a one episode drama. <laughs> it's a one episode and the one episode is movie length, but whatever. Um, so this is, did I say this already? I can't remember. <laughs> kingdom Ashen of the North. So this one came out in July. Um, kingdom Ashen of the North is a kingdom spin-off, and Kingdom, of course, is a two episode, a two season. Sorry, um, very cool zombie Joseon drama. And this is, this is, ah. Uh, it's not exactly a prequel. It is in some ways, but I feel like it also kind of runs concurrently to some of the circumstances that are kind of going on in, in the first season. So kind of like up to the start, I suppose, with a little bit of overlap, I suppose. Um, and of course, in Kingdom, at I guess what, at the very end of the second season of Kingdom, um, the, the main character in Ashen of the North is introduced. So the main character is played, oh, that's confusing. Her actress name here has been written as Gianna June. Um, uh, Ji Hon. <laughs> Ji Hon. Um, I don't know her as Gianna June. How strange. Um, so Ji Hon is from heaps of stuff. So she's currently, as I record this, uh, starring in the 2021 drama Jiri-san. Uh, she had a little cameo in Kingdom Season 2. She's from The Legend of the Blue Sea, starring alongside Iminho in 2016 wow that's a while ago and also she is also from the alien romance drama <laughs> my love from the star or my love from another star um which she co-starred in from 2013 oh my gosh that's so long ago with um the very famous actor kim Hyun. uh so she's mega famous she's in about a thousand absolutely mega famous movies and you know she's unbelievably beautiful uh yeah she's she's in this John Ji Hyun okay so she was the main one for me there's other people in it, a couple of faces I recognize but really it, this is her this is her thing um I actually really enjoyed this um Ashen of the North it's different because why is it it's very dark I mean the kingdom the original one is really dark too but there's a lot of drama stuff in it you know like you got your prince and he's got his funny sidekick and it's got a lot of maybe recognizable k-drama bits and i guess kingdom ashen in the north maybe it does lean slightly more towards maybe korean movies and i don't know about other listeners and how you guys feel about this but i do feel that korean dramas are a very particular thing and sometimes korean movies are quite different tonally and the way that they're structured they just have a different feel to them i think and i guess this one does you know it is a movie even though it's a one episode drama it's a movie and it has a bit of that feel to it 
Um, and so basically it's set in history, it's set in sort of the lead up to, you know, the main zombie drama stuff. And there isn't a lot of zombies in this show, it's more just how a lot of it comes to be. And I think if you like history, like you like Joseph history, then it's, I mean, it's well worth the watch either way. But I think particularly because I like all this stuff, like it's so cool to see like weird Joseph military outposts and weird villages and like some of this interesting kind of discussion about these, um, like a different sort of ethnic group living at the top of Joseph at this time who um, have, you know, they've been there for generations, but the Joseph people don't like them. And then over the border, I guess it's oh, jerkins, I suppose. And then they, you know, like there's all this kind of like weird political stuff that I find really interesting because you're trying to like fit it into the history but then on top of that you know there's a lot of action there's a lot of action there's a lot of zombies and you know what this is really it's a revenge movie and it's a Korean revenge movie which means things get fucking bloody at the end and you're totally on Ashen's side Ashen of the North um and as a character she's very interesting she's pretty intense she's pretty scary she's willing to uh, do some stuff let's say that so yeah I actually really enjoyed this um it's funny like it probably doesn't didn't make as deep an impression on me as say the actual kingdom show but that's because kingdom is two seasons worth and I've watched many hours of it and I only watched you know one movie length of this but I actually really liked it I think it's well worth a watch and it's a nice sort of companion to kingdom even if I have to say I liked kingdom more um I still think this like it's pretty epic it looks pretty great it's pretty exciting there's a lot of mad action and it's a fucking dark story like it's so dark and really creepy and dark um yeah liked it all right so i guess that's all i'll say about kingdom ashen of the north So I'm just going to be quick on the next one, uh, which is The Great Shaman Gardu Shim. Again, I haven't finished this one yet, but I will. And I plan to go back to the start. Um, I was watching this one. Um, so this one came out in July. 12 episode, very short, like 20 minute episode. So like a little web drama thing. Um, I was really, really excited about this one because I thought it was a 16 episode proper drama, but it's so small, which was kind of annoying because I feel like it makes a really fun story. Um, but I really liked the, the casting as well. So so this one stars the actress uh, Kim Seron. So Kim Seron has been in stuff. Um, what's she been in most recently? Oh, she was in um, Mirror of the Witch with Yoon Shi Yoon, um, which was a big kind of major lead role. She's a child actress turned, you know, lead actress now. And I'm pretty sure that she's just recently got cast in a Netflix like action drama alongside Udo Hwan, um, which is, if that's all happening, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Udo Hwan, yay, back from army, yay. So excited. I cannot wait. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, he's not in any, he's been in army all year. How, ugh, army, taking away all our actors all the time. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the male lead in this is played by an actor called Nam Daram. Nam Daram? So he is a dude whose face you'll recognize because he's played the younger version of every single actor in K-Drama Land. So every time they have a flashback to a teenager, that's a boy, it's this guy, <laughs> it's this actor. Um, he's in Just Between Lovers as the flashback teen boy. He's in Come and Hug Me as the flashback teen boy. He's in, what's he in? He's in other stuff too, believe me. 
you'll recognize this man's face. So he's obviously graduating to actually getting roles, like lead roles now. So that's very nice for him. Um, so this one is about Kim Seron can see creepy ghosts and creepy stuff. And, you know, her grandma was a shaman and she really doesn't want to be. Her grandma gets, you know, brutally murdered by an evil spirit thing. And, um, Kim Seron ends up going to a new high school and everyone's really mean to her. And the most popular smart boy, um, ends up being able to see ghosts and then they have to kind of help each other. And she's very like, you know, salty and closed off and a bit grumpy, uh, cause her life's, you know, just a bit hard and he's super popular and all the girls are hanging off him, but really he's just interested in her because you know he can see ghosts and he, he needs some fucking help because he's terrified all the time and they have to band together to fight off some evil spirits. Um, so all of that sounds fucking brilliant. And I was really enjoying it, but I, I was watching it as it actually aired and it aired 20 minutes a week. So I would watch 20 minutes and 20 minutes is just about long enough to get you into something. So by the end of the 20 minute episode, I was like, oh, right, that's right. That's what this is about. Okay, I'm into it. And then it would end. And then the next week I'd be like, what the fuck's going on? Who's this? Why do I care? And then by the end of the 20 minutes, I'd be like, yeah. And then it would end. So I dropped it because that clearly wasn't working for me. And I'm like, I just, I'm going to have to marathon it. Um, when when they're all out. They are all out now, but I haven't done it yet. But I will. Um, probably I will, I reckon. So this one's, like I said, 12 episodes, 20 minutes each. I think it was really fun. Um, so this is Great Shaman Gardu Shim. I'm just thinking like, so I was watching this at the same time as Blue Birthday. I'm definitely going to watch both. Um, maybe for me, Blue Birthday has like, just the concept is even more interesting than this one. But I think this one has... A really, really fun concept, I think, and something I definitely want to delve back into and finish for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I'll say on this one since I didn't finish it yet. Oh, Lovers of the Red Sky. So this one came out in August. Um, I have watched it all and I have an episode lined up that will be out soon, but I guess I'll just talk a bit about it now anyway. It feels weird talking about stuff that I, like, I've watched, but I haven't put out my episodes yet. Um, so Lovers of the Red Sky, also known as Red Sky Lovers, is a 16-episode Joseon set historical fantasy romance. I was pretty excited about this one, but I am going to say, so I love the female lead, um, played by the actress Kim Yu Dong. I really, really love Kim Yu Dong. I think she is great. She is from heaps of stuff, uh, Clean with a Passion for Now, um, Love in the Moonlight, which is her big famous, famous drama, and also Backstreet Rookie, which I have not seen. Um, I didn't really finish Clean with a Passion for Now either because I used to work in the cleaning industry and I just couldn't bear, couldn't bear it. <laughs> I couldn't bear to watch it. <laughs> um, and, and what else? What was I saying? Oh yeah. So my point was, because I had a point, I was thinking about my old job just then and being like, oh, I hated working in that place. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, what I'm talking about is the actress Kim Yu Jong. So I was very, very excited when I saw that she was cast in this drama. This drama is also, I think, by the same writer who wrote, um, what was that really mad, famous drama um, many years ago with Kim Soo Hyun? Um, something about a moon, lovers. Oh my gosh. Who knows what I'm even talking about, you guys? Do you guys know? Moon that rises over the sun? Is that what it's called? Anyway. Anyway. I'll, I'll just move along since I've forgotten. 
It's based on a novel. Um, so I was really, really excited that Kim Yoo-jong had been cast in this drama um, and really looking forward to seeing it. I have to say that I'm not, I don't mind An Ho-sob, who plays the main male lead. I do not mind him. He's from Dr. Romantic 2 and he's also from Abyss. But he's not a favorite for me. He really isn't. And I don't mind him, but I'm not like following his face around K-drama land, even though, you know, he's got a very handsome face. He does. I admit this. Um, but for whatever reason, I just haven't connected with him. So I really watched this for Kim Yu-dong and because it's set in Joseon times and there's fantasy romance and that sounds really exciting. This one also stars the actor Gong Myung as a second male lead. Gong Myung, again, not a total favorite of mine. Um, he's completely likable though, but just not someone I'm, you know, mad about. Um, uh, and he is from Be Melodramatic and a whole bunch of other stuff. And this one also stars as the villain of the piece, uh, the actor Kwak Xiang, um, and he plays, uh, I don't know, Grand Prince, whoever the whatever. Um, so Kwak Xiang is an actor that just like, what the fuck is going on? Why is this man not a lead actor? Why is he not the lead of a romantic drama? I will never, ever understand it. He is fucking great. I love him. Anyway, so Kwak Xiang has been in, uh, he played the evil guy in Chicago Typewriter and, you know, generally just gets cast as some stupid side character or evil dude or some bit of nothing. And I'm just like, what a waste of this man's amazing talent and also very handsome face. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, so anyway, Red Sky Lovers is an interesting one for me. I was obsessed with the first 12 episodes. Uh, so spoiler alert for my episode, which will come out soon, where I'm going to say all this same shit again. <laughs> Yay for you, if you want to listen to that again. Um, but yeah, I loved the first 12 episodes. There's so much that I loved about this drama that I felt obsessed with. Um, but unfortunately, I was watching three historicals at the same time as I was watching this. So you can see, you can see I did something wrong here. Three at the same time one of which I two of which oh okay three at the same time and one I'm obsessed with like I haven't finished watching it and I love it and it could be the best drama I've seen in my whole life so obviously there's a point where you begin to compare these things and you know if you love something that much then you're like well the other thing is just you know it's like timing if I just watched this one by itself I feel like I probably would have loved it a lot more than I did but because I was watching it at the same time as two other historicals, and I think I actually ended up liking both of those better than this one. And not that they're like, well, one of them is better, but one of them is, you know, they're probably like actually on the same level in terms of quality. It's just that I happen to kind of be drawn more towards the other. But if I hadn't been watching those other two at the same time, I feel like I probably just would have loved this. So if you watched it and totally loved it, I can totally see that. It's it's a really charming show. And I think particularly for me, those first 12 episodes were gold. I was obsessed. I think I watched like four episodes in one day at one point, like just totally marathoned it. So basically the story is like a real star-crossed lovers thing. Um, it's, uh, it's set in Joseon times and, you know, we have our main character who used to be blind, but then her little eyeballs got sucked out into the other guy. <laughs> what a weird sentence. And there's a demon inside the king and now he's inside the other dude. Um, and uh, yeah, all sorts of supernatural shit. 
<laughs> it's basically like real star-crossed lovers fated to love each other, but also this demon um, fucking shit up. That's what this story's about. And also she's a painter and she paints the most incredible, beautiful paintings. And I really enjoyed all the stuff about painting and seeing what she's doing. She is just, Kim Yoo-jung is lovely. I love her so much. She's really, really charming. And I really liked the romance in this. And I really liked that the male lead is blind. I thought that was, I really liked it. Um, and I, I just really liked the first 12 episodes, which were perfect. And then for me, I have to admit, I just found myself getting a little bit bored. I felt like things just sort of going, started going around in circles a little bit. And I felt like um, the characters were kind of catching up to where we as viewers already had been for quite a few episodes, like finding out things that we'd known for ages, which kind of just led to me getting a little bit distracted and bored. And once I start picking up my phone and like, you know, scrolling and looking at shit on my phone, generally K-drama related stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, at the same time as watching something, you end up missing what people are saying if you're using subs, which I'm using subs. Um, and then, you know, you just fall out of it and then it's hard to sort of reconnect if you do that. So, yeah, unfortunately, I would say that this one, I didn't love it as much as I wanted to. And again, the start was so good and not just the start, like 12 episodes of a 16 episode drama. That's three quarters of the drama I adored. And I just got slightly unengaged towards the end um which unfortunately is what I think about when I think about this drama you know like what's the thing that stood out what what do I remember now in hindsight is the fact that I got disengaged at the end so now that's more what I associate with it than the first 12 episodes which were bloody great but that's how it goes isn't it sadly all right uh so that's it from me on lovers of the red sky So next up, we have Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha, uh, which is a 16 episode, oh, what is this? Slice of life, rom-com slash healing drama, found family, just a charming, <laughs> a charming, charming, charming show. <laughs> That's what this one is. 16 episode uh, from, it started airing at the very end of August, 2021. Um, so this one stars Shin Mina as our female lead. Shin Mina is from Arung and the Magistrate and a whole bunch of other things, but Arung and the Magistrate is one of my favorite dramas of all time, so she will forever be Arung to me. Um, Shin Mina is just fucking charming. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. Um, I really like her in this. She's great. Uh, and also Kim Sano, Kim Sono, Kim Sono, uh, who plays the male lead in this one. Kim Sono is from Startup and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff, but Startup, where he played the second male lead, of course, absolutely rocketed him to, to, um, to, to Startup. Is that what I'm trying to say? And there was like a whole fucking scandal thrown in here. I'm, oh, I don't even got to talk about it. Blech. Anyway, I'll just move on. <laughs> Uh, the second male lead is played by Lee Sung Yi, who I mentioned also played the second male lead in Youth of May. Um, oh, and this one also has Gong Min Jong, who's an actress that I really like. And she was in that mad refrigerator AI intelligent fridge show called Please Don't Date Him, which, you know, whatever to that show. And a whole bunch of other faces you recognize. Like, there's so many people in this. This is a real ensemble cast. It's gorgeous. Um, 
my uh, why did I watch it like you know as if I wasn't going to watch it um casting wise I think that's why I would have watched this one but it just sounds really charming and it is really charming um and people have obviously you know just really really loved it I think it's done really really well um as I record this I have to say I haven't actually finished it so I I kind of missioned my way through the first 12 episodes um I didn't I didn't watch it as it was airing I started it a bit later so yeah, really just plowed through. I think I watched five episodes in one day. I think I must have been homesick or was tired or some shit. I don't even know. Um, it's so charming. Like you just watch it and I would just have a smile on my face for so long. And then suddenly I'd realize I'm like sitting by myself in the house smiling. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Um, but yeah, it's just really charming. And, you know, it's all about slowing down the pace of your life and what's important. And I think that... I feel like our female lead's very interesting. She has a lot of kind of flaws in some ways around social standing or her ideas around social standing and some levels of snobbery and her having to kind of break down these barriers and kind of slow down her pace of life and what she wants out of life. And it's been very, very interesting seeing her connect with, you know, these very small town folks that she might have in the past realistically looked down on and is beginning to love you know she's loving them but also falling in love of course with our male lead Kim Sono who is you know just a jack of all trades charming dimpled smiley dimple man um who you know I really really like Kim Sono um but I will say that I don't think I'm as obsessed as I think some listeners are <laughs> And I'm already saying this because I know, I know that people are just like bonkers crazy for this man, which I totally get. Look at him. He's very, very cute and he has amazing dimples. Um, but, you know, that's just how weird fangirl obsessions or fanboy obsessions start. You just, you get obsessed with whoever you get obsessed with. So I really, really like him and I definitely watch his dramas and want to see what he does. But I'm not like, you know, I'm not a total fangirl in the way that I might be over someone like Udo Juan, who, you know, is coming back from ARMY and I'm very excited about. Oh my gosh. Now I mentioned him twice in this episode. <laughs> um, so yeah, I really, really like Home town cha-cha-cha it's just like oh such a breezy joyous watch it makes you feel good I feel like sometimes it's not like as a, a term healing drama is kind of thrown around a lot and I feel like that's what this is like you just slow down you just watch them all doing their little things and it makes you feel good like it's really beautiful I do feel like I'm getting up to the angsty part though because obviously um our male lead Kim Sono has some has some stuff going on and I'm about to find out what it is so yeah, I'm still just chugging away. I don't know why I just really slowed down. Um, I do this a lot when, if it's a romance drama and the couple get together, I usually slow down after that. I don't know why. And I think it's just, you know, my whole thing is usually the will they, won't they. I'm just waiting. Will they, won't they, will they, won't they. I mean, of course they are, but when, when. And then when they get together, I'm always like, oh, cool. You know, now now I my question's been answered. I know what's what. So I still watch it and I'm still loving it, but I've just slowed down on it. So I'm just not watching it, not gobbling it up in quite the same way. Um, but that's not to say, you know, that's nothing negative about the show. That's just my weird viewing habits, I suppose. So yeah, that's uh, my thoughts on Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha. I'm going to finish this one pretty soon and then I'll put together an episode kind of delving a bit deeper into my thoughts although I do feel like this will be a really hard one to talk about it because it is such a slice of life kind of show like it's all about these just 
little gorgeous interactions and moments of joy in people's lives. It's very sweet. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll stop blathering now. Ah, Witch's Diner. That's my next show I'm going to talk about. This is an eight-episode drama. Each episode is a whole hour long. I went into this one very excited. I really love the lead actress. Um, I think she's amazing, Nam Ji Hyun. Uh, she's from Suspicious Partner and Shopping King Louis and some other stuff um, I can't remember but she's just like I love her I think she's got a great voice she just looks so beautiful and I'm just so I like her I like seeing her on my screen um, it also stars uh, Song Ji Ho um, who was really good she's very you know creepy and elegant as the witch of the drama and a new face that I didn't know an actor called Che Jong Hyop who I think also stars or has a second male lead role in Nevertheless but I haven't seen that one he's super cute and likable in this really charming um so I thought going into this that it was a 16 episode supernatural gothic drama I was very very excited um it's not. It's only eight episodes. And I don't know why. I really don't understand. I loved everything about it, except that because it was so short, it felt like it was missing something, like missing and and I mean, it had an end, but it just really felt like it was missing something. Um, I've done a big, oh, I was about to say waffle. Is it a complaint? Have I done a big whinge about it um, on a Patreon episode recently that I did on some shorter stuff that I've watched? So yeah, I kind of gone into this one in, in depth on that. Um, yeah, I feel kind of unsatisfied by this show and a little bit disappointed because I feel like everything about it is so good, except that it's so short that it doesn't do itself justice. And I feel like it was missing something. And I don't feel, I didn't feel satisfied at the end of it. I wanted more, but that's nothing. It's nothing. It's like, it's not the drama's fault. The drama was so good. I just wanted more. So yeah, kind of disappointed with this one actually, um, which I feel a little bit sad about because I loved the characters. I loved the conflict. I loved everything that was going on. I just feel like it missed some shit so that's all I'm gonna say um I did complain about it at length and talk about the plot a bit more in my other episode on Patreon but I don't think I'll bother um delving into it again because it'll just make me sad <laughs> but I did I really loved everything that there was on offer I wish there'd been more so that's it on the witch's diner Next up, have you raised me up? <laughs> wow, this drama. So this drama was only eight episodes. Again, I didn't know that going into it. I thought it was a long one. Um, I did not finish it, which is kind of stupid now that I know it's only eight episodes because I feel like I watched six of them. Um, I have really complicated feelings around this drama. So it's kind of got a difficult subject matter and just I mean not difficult I just mean compared to k-dramas there's you know it's a lot of stuff about I guess his sexual life and stuff like that which is quite different for k-drama but 
it's kind of so okay the reason that I watched You Raise Me Up which came out in August 2021 was because of the actor Yoon Shi Yoon. Uh, Yoon Shi Yoon is in this and he's just fucking fantastic. He's an amazing dude and he's wonderful and obviously I'm going to watch anything that he's even in ever. Um, and I heard of the concept of this and it's so this is supposed to be or oh, my understanding and I feel like the marketing around this drama was that it's a comedy and it's about a young man who's what he's just reached his 30s and he's just failed his civil service exam for like you know I don't know how many years 10 years or something and he is severely severely depressed his girlfriend's left him his whole life has just gone down the drain and he's you know reached his 30s and he's like he hasn't achieved anything that he thought he would and he hasn't you know he's just in the lowest low point of his entire life and then on top of that he gets erectile dysfunction so yeah, it doesn't sound like a comedy when I say it like that, but all the marketing stuff is it's, you know, it's funny, like he, he's got erectile dysfunction, but they say, you know, this is handled sensitively. They're not making fun of him for this. Like it's not, you know, in bad taste or anything. Um, and so he goes to see, you know, a, a what? A urologist? Some sort of doctor person to do a thing and have a look. And when he goes there, of course, the doctor that he meets is his first love from high school back when he was a super cool young man and awesome and they never kind of got it together even though they both really liked each other and of course she's very successful doctor with money and a rich good-looking boyfriend and he is there you know really depressed and getting treated for erectile dysfunction and is absolutely humiliated and embarrassed and it is funny like the way that that scene's done is funny there are fun funny elements but my whole thing with this show is tonally it's so fucking weird and it's not what I expected it to be and I'm sure other listeners have had like different reactions to this and this is just my personal take on how it worked for me which was it didn't really work because it was so sad. I was so fucking sad when I watched this. Like, I got a lump in my chest. And I think Yoon Chi Yoon is just too good an actor or something. And he was like, it was like he was in a different drama to everyone else. Like, you know, the female lead is played by um, Hani, who I think is a K-pop lady. And she's also starring in another K-pop drama at the moment. It also stars Park Ki-wong, who... Park Ki-wong is an actor who's just been around in drama land since forever. He was in a very old drama uh, called Gakshital um, quite a while ago. Uh, and he's, you know, he popped up in King's Affection recently as like a Chinese envoy. Um, so yeah, he's like, he's around in stuff and he's, he's around in this too, I guess. And he plays, you know, the handsome boyfriend of the female lead. Um, who's a bit of a dick, actually. She's, he doesn't seem that nice. So... I don't really know how to even explain how I felt about this. It's kind of like, you know, the drama introduces us to Yoon Shi Yoon's character and I just, you like him. He's so sad. He's so depressed. He's so low, but he's so likable. And seeing this man go through the humiliations that he goes through, seeing him go home to his house and crying just makes me want to die. I felt so upset. So it's not like the drama wasn't good. It's not like I wasn't emotionally connected to it. Like it fucking hurt. And I was like, oh, oh this poor man. He's, oh, why is this happening? Like I loved him. Like you just want to give him a hug and help him and protect him. But meanwhile, the female lead and her boyfriend, the second male lead, 
It's like they're in a different drama. All their scenes are like, you know, played, it's it's supposed to be really light and, you know, bickery and like sassy and, and, and bright and light, like they're in a rom-com. And yet Yoon Shi Yoon is not in a rom-com. He is in a story about a man who's depressed, reaching the lowest point in his life, nearly jumping off a rooftop to die and then slowly trying to scrape back some semblance of self-esteem like it's so agonizing to watch it and it's done really well and I like that his situation isn't played for laughs because I think that there's a sensitive portrayal of of um, someone who hasn't lived up to the potential that they believed they would and how heartbreaking that is for him to have felt like he failed his own life. Like it hurts watching this shit. And yet when he meets Hani's character, she's just, to me, because she's in a different drama, she's in like a fun zippy rom-com where there's no emotion and nothing matters. She's so mean. <laughs> I felt like she was so mean. Like she kind of realizes it's him and there's sort of a funny meeting like where she's like, oh my God, you know, this is my, my hot ex-boyfriend who's, you know, really low now and less hot than he used to be, except he's not because it's huge Yoon. But anyway, um, and then she, so her whole thing, right? She has this really great, rich doctor boyfriend, but he's so arrogant that he doesn't treat her quite as nicely as she'd like. So he's not caring for her and giving her flowers or just not, not because he thinks he's so great. He's such a great catch. He just thinks she's lucky to have him. And therefore, why would he work that hard to make her happy? I suppose, but he does love her, but they have like a weird thing and they kind of mean to each other the whole time. And so she, to try and just make him, you know, drop him down a peg or two to her boyfriend, she's kind of like, well, guess what? I used to date Yoon Shi Yoon and he was really hot and he's probably the best man in the world right now. And then of course, when she comes across Yoon Shi Yoon again, and he is not the best man in the world although he is still pretty hot <laughs> I have to say um and she's it's like she's humiliated because she was boasting about him to her boyfriend so instead of having any fucking empathy for this man who's going through the shittest time of his life she only greedily thinks about herself and that it doesn't make her look very cool that this person who she's been talking up as an amazing man is you know, having a troubled time of it. And so she kind of has this kind of, um, you know, interaction with her boyfriend where her boyfriend finds out that he's, you know, having these problems and her boyfriend is horrible about it. Like he's such an asshole. He like humiliates um, Yoon Chi Yoon's character and it's just really awful. And then she's kind of like, well, boyfriend, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make, you know, fix Yoon Chi Yoon up and I'm going to get rid of his erectile dysfunction and make him into a happy, successful man just to show you that I'm a cool person who liked someone cool. So she doesn't even help him. For Yoon Chi Yoon's sake, she helps him for her own awful pride. And it's a bet. And of course, her sister at home at least kind of points out, you're a truly terrible person for doing this, you awful person. And she's kind of like, yeah, I guess. And she feels a bit bad, but she still does it. 
And then, so she, she goes to chase up Yoon Shi Yoon to tell him that she's going to help him. And he's literally about to jump off a roof because he's just had the last humiliation that he can deal with on top of every other humiliation that he's already experienced. And he's crying and she's just like, Oi, get down here. I guess I'll help you. And she's just like, there's no fucking empathy in this woman. She doesn't even care that he was about to die. She only cares that it makes her look bad if he dies, I suppose. I don't know. Anyway, maybe I'm being a bit harsh and I feel like I just feel like she was in a different drama where the stakes weren't as high, but he was in a drama where his emotional stakes were really, really upsetting and sad to me and felt like a really big deal. And yet no one else was treating him as he deserved. And he's, you just, your heart breaks for this man. I just wanted to cry. It was so sad. So I just got to a point where I was like, why is everyone being so mean to him? And it's like, I wanted to watch him, you know, pull himself back together and regain his confidence. Like he's so kind. He's so good. He's so nice. And like, you know, through that, obviously she learns that she's been an asshole and she should be a better person. And I still just didn't want them to get together because I didn't like her enough. And then I was like, is this just me being petty? You know, like she's obviously going to learn through this process to be a better human being. So maybe if I'd stuck through, it would have got better, but I was just so sad. And also I was doing that thing where I was watching like eight dramas at once again and something just had to give. And I think if I hadn't been watching so many, um, I definitely would have finished this. So there's that, which kind of upsets me when I think about it. So yeah, sometimes I think, oh, I'll go back and I'll, I'll continue on with this. Um, maybe I will, maybe I won't. But one thing I want to point out that I thought was funny, this is, this is not sad, this is funny. Um, you know, Yoon Shi Yoon's character in this, you know, there's quite a few scenes where they're kind of like, oh, you know, he's just living off noodles. He's let himself go. He's let himself go, you know, like he's not, you know, fit and strong and stuff. And then there's a scene where she takes him swimming the female lead does and he won't take off his like you know his rasher vest like his swimming top because he's so embarrassed of his body um so he's supposed to be someone i don't know if he's supposed to be overweight or like super skinny underweight or like whatever but he's severely self-conscious about how he looks but of course he's played by the actor yoon shi yoon who's like buff as hell <laughs> and it's so funny to see someone who clearly is like you know kind of in peak form has been to the gym a lot looks extremely good and very handsome and buff kind of sitting around being like oh no I'm so embarrassed of my body and you're like yeah whatever mate <laughs> whatever so that's not his fault um that's because it's only an eight episode drama and I suppose he's not gonna like change his physique for this role which you know is good that he didn't because I feel that sounds slightly unhealthy but what am I even talking about anymore I don't even know so anyway, th those are my experiences with You Raise Me Up. Um, I think I thought I was in for a wild, funny ride and I just felt like crying the entire time and it made me too sad. Um, he's such a likable character though. Oh my gosh, I just wanted to see him do well in his life. And I'm sure if I kind of like hadn't been watching so many other shows, I would have continued it and I probably would have got to like Honey's character who was just really mean at the start. Her and her boyfriend were so mean. They were so mean. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it from me on You Raise Me Up.
Next up, I have Squid Game. So Squid Game probably doesn't need to be introduced because it took the world by storm and what craziness, what craziness was the reaction to Squid Game? I'm really interested. I wonder how other K-drama fans, like, you know, look, if you like me, some of you probably do, some of you probably have very different experiences as a K-drama fan, I'm sure. But where I live, no one around me in my general life knows or cares about K-drama or is willing to listen to me waffle on about it at length for hours at a time. No one wants to hear this. I don't do it because no one wants to listen to me. So suddenly having every person that I know talking to me about Squid Game was weird. And I don't know why, but because obviously I want K-dramas to do well, right? I want K-dramas to take the world by storm. I want people to like them. I want people to put money into them. I want K, you know, Korean actors and actresses to do well. I want, I love all this stuff. Obviously I want it to do well, but I had this weird, weird reaction where I was like, oh, I've loved K-drama for like 10 years and this is just the first one you've ever seen and I don't like where did that snobby behavior come from but I got like really weird and defensive because I feel like for 10 years people have been like to me you're so weird why are you watching k-dramas like why do you even like that what's good they're so soapy soapy k-dramas it's all just soap and I'm like no it's not it's fucking brilliant you don't know what you're talking about I'm getting really worked up here guys but seriously and then suddenly having all the same people talking about squid game and like 3D printing Squid Game things. And I was like, for some reason, I feel offended by this. <laughs> and I also feel weirdly offended by all the people who are like, oh, Squid Game isn't a K-drama. K-dramas are still shit, but Squid Game is a different thing. And that's why it's great. And I'm like, that also offends me greatly. <laughs> so after that weird introduction talking about my feelings around Squid Game blowing up and becoming a worldwide sensation, which of course is a brilliant thing. It just means Netflix is going to pour more and more money into making awesome K-dramas. And the truth is that Squid Game was an awesome K-drama. I loved it. It was so good and so exciting and I completely loved it. So this one stars Lee Jong-jae as the main character. Lee Jong-jae is in, he's in some dramas I've seen, I can't remember, but I always just remember him from this particular movie that I watched a few years ago, uh, which was called Warriors of the Dawn. He was the lead character in that with, um, what's it? Some other dude whose name I've forgotten. <laughs> anyway, it was set in Joseon times. I really enjoyed it. Uh, this one also starts uh, Park Hesu, who I recognized his face, but I, you know, I think he's been in stuff I've seen, but nothing specific. Weha June, who plays the second male lead in Romance, is a bonus book. Uh, some fun kind of um, cameos from Gong Yu and Lee Byung Hong. Lee Byung, Lee Byung Hong. I can never pronounce that man's name. Uh, and also, is it Oh Song Su? Is that the the actress who I'd never seen in anything? Oh, Oh Ho. Bloody hell, Ho Yeon Jong, uh, who is in this drama, but I'd never seen her in anything before, and she was great in this. So I loved this. I absolutely loved it. It was an absolute thrill ride. It was so exciting. It was awesome. And G watched it with me. And I do have an episode where we waffle on about it quite a bit. Um, it was really, really good. I don't really know what to say about this one. I probably won't bother going into it because I mean, I guess you guys have all seen it, huh? I reckon. It was fun. The one thing that stands out in my mind, uh, 
just the fact that it's a cultural, oh no, I brought myself to the point of having to say the word phenomenon, fuck, I can't say that word, <laughs> I've never been able to say that word, um, yeah, just the fact that it became a worldwide sensation, sensation, that's the word um, that I'll use instead of phenomenon, Look, I've been recording about drama for a really long time. I think I'm going crazy. Sorry, guys. Um, so, yeah, I won't say anything more on Squid Game except that it was excellent and I really loved it. And I don't know about other listeners. Like, my taste in K-dramas is – I feel like it's really, really wide. Like, I love the fluffy, tropey rom-com stuff and I love the Joseon stuff and I love the real serious, dark crime stuff. And I am absolutely loving this new wave of Netflix K-drama, like these shorter episodes, um, you know, like only eight or six, um, high-concept loads of money to make them look amazing I think it's really really exciting um, and very cool so I've been really enjoying watching a lot of those this year um, and still got quite a few to watch to catch up on as well so yeah Squid Game for me was fantastic loved it So the next K-drama on my list is called Police University. I didn't finish this one. I think I watched about five or six episodes. It's a 16 episode. What is it? It's kind of light. This is some rom-commy elements, a bit of crime. It's kind of like crime light and it's set in a university for police students. Um, I just watched it because I think I was kind of between dramas. I really wanted to watch something while I was waiting for other stuff to come out. Um, and then I was watching a lot of stuff and I was like, eh, well, you know, I enjoyed it. I actually quite enjoyed it, but I don't, I just was kind of like, meh, here or there, you know, I wasn't completely obsessed with it, even though I was having a nice time. And I feel like it did kind of come down to mood for me with Police University in terms of I started feeling like a real, I wanted a dark detective thing. I was like, I wish, I wish I was watching one of those really gritty kind of OCN dark detective things. And instead I was watching Police University that has crime, but the crime elements in it are very like silly. <laughs> You know, like there's a super evil corrupt person. Of course, they happen to, you know, work at the police university where the main guy who's trying to chase that particular guy already works. Um, so it was elements of this I really enjoyed. And I did enjoy like just the police um, academy kind of stuff was really fun. Um, so, yeah, it was fine. Uh, it wasn't bad. It was well watchable and I think quite enjoyable. But just, you know, I wasn't in quite the right mood, I suppose. Uh, so this one stars an actor called Jin Yong, who is, I think he's a K-pop man. He's very, very pretty. He's in a lot of stuff. Um, he's someone who, like, every time I see him, I'm like, gosh, this guy's so pretty. And yet he's still not someone that I'm particularly pushed to, like, discover what else he's in. Um, but he's very likable in this. So I'm trying to think. He was in um, My First First Love as the second male lead. And he's just, yeah, he's in heaps of stuff. It also stars uh, Cha Tae Hyun, who is... Is a very famous Korean actor. Oh my gosh. So this man, I'm pretty sure he's the same dude from that really famous Korean movie with Shin Mina called My Sassy Girl. He was also in much less famous drama Hit the Top with Yoon Shi-yoon and Lee Se-yong, which for some reason I really liked that drama. Um, this one also stars Crystal as the female lead and Crystal's in The Heirs or slash The Inheritors with... Uh, Lee Min Ho, Lee Min Ho, uh, she's in 
She was in some drama with Rain. That really, never hear about that one anymore. Anyway, she's in heaps of stuff and she is also a K-pop. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of side characters who are, who are they? I don't know. Lots of faces that you recognize. Um, so yeah, very likable, like group of students. And I liked all the student stuff in this. And I think, I think maybe if this drama had been a little bit more focused on the police academy students and it'd be more like a college drama with romance and coming of age and you know those kind of normal you know coming of age conflicts I feel like maybe I would have actually enjoyed that more than the this kind of mix of that coming of age youth stuff with Cha Taehyun's character sort of um you know looking into a crime and so there's this whole hacker crime aspect to the story that I guess it was just I was less invested in because it wasn't super interesting. <laughs> I guess it wasn't that interesting to me. And it just, you know, like when I think about detective shows and mysteries, I want like tightly written stuff. I want really good stuff and I want dark stuff. And this was not that. This was very light and just a bit, eh, whatever. And I was more interested in the interactions between all the students than I was into the crime stuff. And so... I guess I was watching it and, you know, it's really 50-50. So the crime aspects get a lot of screen time. And I was kind of like, oh, this is slightly boring. So I just, you know, moved on to something else. But in saying that, if you're looking for something kind of light and fun and, you know, not too, what am I trying to say? Um, yeah, just, you know, like not too, too heavy, not too hard. You know, you don't need to use too much brain power. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Then this is a good one. It's a good one for you. So yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it enough, but clearly not enough to keep going with it. So that's all I'll say on Police University, uh, 16 episode drama thingy. What genre? I don't know what genre, it just exists. Mm-hmm. So I just looked up the next drama on my list, which is called The King's Affection, which is a drama that exists and came out. It's still airing. No, it's just finished airing as I record this. Uh, so this one's an October 2021 drama. Um, I'm nearly finished it. I've got two more episodes and I'm still watching it, enjoying it very much hilariously so I just looked it up so I could you know get my cast list and all this kind of shit and you know how on Google there's always a bunch of questions that people have been like typing into Google to find the answers and one of the questions is is Lee Hui so Lee Hui is the main female lead character so are Lee Hui and Ihan Ihan is the second male lead who is completely in love with her and the question is are Lee Hui and Eon cousins? <laughs> I love that someone's Googled this. So this has been a big thing for me, right? Um, so just to dive right into this story, The King's Affection. Uh, there is a love triangle, but it's like it's heavy not on the love triangle. It's it's heavy on the they're not. <laughs> what am I trying to say? There is a love triangle, but it's not super heavy on that aspect because the second male lead is one of those suffer in silence from, from afar kind of type of characters. So they introduce the second male lead and he's clearly in love with her suffering silently. And a few episodes after, you know, they've shown us him sort of, you know, loving her from afar. I kind of figured out that him and the female lead are cousins like they're cousin cousins and every time it comes up in the drama because you know our female lead often calls him cousin I was like hey this is weird I feel uncomfortable but you got to remind yourself that this is the Joseon dynasty and cousin love was apparently it's all good who knows I mean probably it was all good in most places around the world um 
couple hundred years back. Charming that, isn't it? The thing that just I love about this is that someone like me has watched the drama and been like, cousins, cousins, hmm, cousins, I feel weird about this. And then they've literally gone into Google and they've Googled, are they really cousins? Like, is this real? And the answer is, of course, yes, they are fucking cousins. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, well, that made me happy. Um, so anyway, The King's Affection. Uh, so like I said, oh, so this one's 20 episodes. I've got two more episodes to watch. I've been really enjoying this one. Uh, it's a historical, uh, I want to say it's not, it's kind of got elements of a youth romance historical. It's not super serious and it's, you know, it has all the serious stuff like danger and intrigue, but it's very, very focused on the romance. It's very heavy on the swoony stuff, like people falling over on top of each other and accidental kisses. I'm sure that happened at some point. I can't actually remember. <laughs> but I, what I'm trying to say is it's not like one of those super serious kind of historicals. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're not actually that into historicals, um, because you get a bit overwhelmed by all the old men in those little old men uniforms shouting at each other about political things. There's not that much of that in this drama. This drama is very much focused on being a swoony romance, first and foremost. Uh, there's a little bit of political stuff, but really barely any, I think, even though the whole thing takes place in a palace. So I was excited about this one just because it's historical, it's a romance, which I love, um, and I was really interested. I think the concept of the idea of it's really fun. So this one stars the actress Park and Min, and Park and Min is someone that I noticed after she played in season one and two of Hello, My Twenties. Um, she's so good in that. I loved her. And since then, she's also been in a drama that everyone went insane about that I haven't actually watched with Kim Min-jae. What the fuck is that drama called? <laughs> oh, I'm getting tired, so I'm swearing more. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm not holding back. Um, it's the drama where she's like a violinist and there's an orchestra and Kim min is like a tortured pianist and they fall in love. Uh, anyway, it's a drama that exists that she's in. Uh, perhaps you will know what I'm speaking of. So she's the female lead and basically the whole story of this drama is set in Joseon times is, you know, the Joseon queen has two children, they're twins and they're identical twins. And when they're born as babies, everyone's like, oh my gosh, the crown prince or the future crown prince cannot share a womb with a woman. That is no good. Like he will be ostracized and no one will want him to be king. So what we've got to do is murder the girl baby. And the mother is obviously like, I'm not into this. I don't love it. This this is a bit shit. So she concocts a plan behind her husband's back. Um, who and her husband's like he's not super into it, but he goes along because this is what he's been ordered to do. So he's kind of weak. And uh, so the queen kind of sticks a needle in one of her baby's necks and there's like a magic thing where the baby doesn't breathe for a while, but it's still fine. Don't worry about it. It's still alive. Uh, I think it's like some sort of herby poison thing or whatever. And she gets smuggled out of the palace. So she gets raised by monks up in the mountains and she doesn't know her birth secret. And her brother gets raised to be the future crown prince of Joseon. Um, and then when she's, I don't know how old she is, a small woman, <laughs> a small child woman. Uh, she kind of ends up back in the palace as a court maid and she meets a dude, um, you know, a very young 
child man dude and you know they have a few dates and fall in love and this is the main male lead but the younger version of him and she also meets her twin brother and her twin brother who's the crown prince is like holy shit this little girl looks fucking exactly like me and so he dresses her up in his clothes so that he can sneak out of the palace but unfortunately they have enemies everywhere and bad stuff happens um that i won't go into won't spoil it um which surprised me I really enjoyed all this um and you know our female lead ends up the crown prince of Joseph permanently pretending to be a man and if anyone finds out the truth she is fucked like it's so scary the position that she's in and of course she learns how to you know, be cold and calm and, and smart and she gets highly educated and she learns, you know, like horse riding and sword fighting and how to basically be the king. So she's very capable and skilled. And then, you know, years and years later when she's all grown up, she meets Rawoon, who's the main male lead in this. Rawoon from Sunbay, don't put on that lipstick, and also from Extraordinary You, which is what a good drama that one was. So he's charming in this and it's quite fun because I think because Park and Bin as a female lead is playing and she's literally playing like an ice prince sort of character and she's the one with the power she's the one who's in control so she really is sort of playing a role that's typically the main male lead role in a lot of ways so their romance is very sweet because Rawoon even though he's like twice the size of her um you know he's so pretty and he's so nice and he's very like soft and sweet in this drama and there's all these scenes where he's the one like kind of you know falling in love with her and squeeing over it and being really excited and then falling over into her arms or giving her flowers and all this you know this kind of like gender swap thing and it's very charming I really really like or I shouldn't say gender swap I mean like traditional kind of conservative gen uh, gender sort of role stereotypes swapped in this drama in the romance and it's very very charming uh, we also have a second male lead, who's her cousin, <laughs> who's the female lead's cousin. Not in real life, of course. I mean, maybe they're cousin. No, they're not. I don't think they're cousins. Anyway, uh, so he's played by an actor that I haven't seen before called Nam Yoon Su. Nam Yoon Su. So Nam Yoon Su, as an actor, is a dude who clearly, like, this dude has a killer smile, right? He has an absolute killer smile. He has some mad dimples, but also I feel like he knows this and he spends a lot of this drama like smiling a lot because I feel like he, he realizes that this is a very nice feature on his face. <laughs> um, he won me over. He's very, very charming in this. And I felt really sad for him because I feel like, you know, a really handsome dude with a killer smile who's like silently pining away for the female lead in the background is just so my type, even though he's her cousin, which I'm I'm just ignoring <laughs> pretending this is not so um, and then we have like a little silent bodyguard dude um, played by an actor called Che Byung Chan who may or may not be a k-pop I don't know uh, and then we have two women like like other second female leads who are in this who are kind of billed as being characters but like a barely in the drama um, but whatever that's fine uh, it's good that's what else to say. I'm really enjoying it. It's very, I want to say it's kind of light, even though the stakes are so high, there's just a swoony fantasiness to it. You know, there's no magic or anything. I just mean the romance is, you know, it has this fantastical feel to it. It's very 
beautiful and shiny this show um and just very charming and nice and it does feel kind of light compared to some you know historicals that i've watched like the political stuff is not super complex and the villains are very villainous you know there's not a lot of you know under the surface stuff i suppose um but yeah, it's just a it's a fun watch. It's really fun. Yeah, I like it. Um, so I've got two more episodes, and then I'll record a big old, big old podcast episode on this. And I have to say, um, Park In Bin as the female lead, you know, playing a king, pretending to be a man for the whole drama. She is excellent. She's so good. She does such a good job. And I have to say, the little girl who plays her younger teen self, amazing. Like, she was incredible. She had to play both the prince, like the real prince and the little girl, and she just did it. It was bonkers how good she was. Um, and Raoon, or Raoon, however you pronounce Raoon, his name, I'm not sure, uh, as the male lead is just, you know, he's such a handsome dude, and he's just very very charming and sweet in this so um I have to say it's a beautiful show to look at like everyone in it looks beautiful the costumes are beautiful the setting is beautiful like a lot of the shots are really stunning so it is a very aesthetically pleasing show as well as just generally being really nice and really fun so yeah I'm into it it's it's cool all right that's it that was the king's affection So next on my list is the K-drama called Jiri-san. Um, so Jiri-san, Mount Jiri, uh, is a 16 episode, I guess it's like a thriller. It's kind of weird. It's kind of a weird drama. Um, I'm currently watching this, so I haven't finished it. Um, only about eight, maybe eight episodes, six, six episodes, eight episodes, I don't really know. Um, some point into it. And this one stars, oh no, it says Gianna June again. <laughs> What was that? I keep forgetting her name. Jun Ji Hon. John. John Ji Hon. John Ji Hon. Uh, so John Ji Hon from um, that other drama I was talking about. Oh, uh, from Kingdom Ashen in the North. Um, and also stars Ju Ji Hoon, uh, who is from Kingdom. He's the prince in Kingdom, plus a whole bunch of faces that you will know. Um, so this one is about like kind of park rangers in the national park, which is Jiri San or Jiri Mountain National Park. And I thought it was like going to be a survivalist drama about, you know, floods and fires and people going missing on the mountain and hikers and like, you know, the park rangers would have to come in and save the day by doing cool stuff or whatever. But it turns out, so um, the main female lead, John Ji Han, yes. <laughs> she's you know, a very cool ranger who's been doing it for a long time. She knows what she's doing and she gets a new rookie ranger. And the rookie ranger is Juji Hoon's character. And by rookie, he's just new. He's been working on some other mountain for ages. So it's not like, you know, he's very good at what he does. But he has fucking visions of like deaths on Jiri-san. And so they start trying to solve all these deaths in advance of the deaths happening, which often doesn't work. And now there's like, a murderer running around the mountain and there's like flashbacks and flash forwards and it's all very twisty and intriguing and I'm really enjoying it but I don't really know what to make of it. <laughs> so this was written by uh, Kim and he who's the same writer I believe who did Kingdom. So a very good writer. I loved Kingdom. Um, and yeah it's very interesting. It's just really twisty. I feel like the first few episodes particularly are you know, you can follow them, but there's a lot of like, what, who, why, what, 
could this happen now? Is this a flashback? What's going on? But by the time you get past maybe the first four episodes, like you know what's going on structurally, you understand how the drama works and what fits, and you're just starting to like really just go along with like what's the mystery and who's the murderer. Um, so a very surprising show that's very, very, very different to what I thought it was going to be. Um, beautiful to look at because of all the Jerry Sun, um, you know, scenery and photography. Like it's gorgeous it's so beautiful so yeah having a lot of fun with this one but again it's a weird show it's really weird it's very different to what I thought um did I say it's 16 episodes this one's um came out in October 2021 and I'm still watching it now though it has stopped airing uh, so that's all I'll say on Jerry Sutton Oh my gosh. So the next K-drama that I'm going to talk about is also currently airing um, as I record this. Uh, but actually, maybe by the time this comes out, it will probably still be airing, actually, because um, I'm just recording this slightly in advance so I can have a bit of a holiday over the end of year period. Um, so, oh my gosh, The Red Sleeve. The Red Sleeve. I am obsessed with this show. It makes me want to die in a good way. <laughs> does that mean? I don't know. It's the thing people say. Um, I'm obsessed with it. So the red sleeve or the red sleeve cuff is so good. It's swoony romantic. It's historical. So look, caveat for me before I get like fully hooked up into this, this is to my taste in the way that boss arm was also going to be to my taste. And I'm, I keep thinking about my experience watching boss arm um, that I just really don't want to recreate that whole thing with this one where I'm like, it has all the ingredients to make me love it and it's going so well and my expectations just keep inflating and getting bigger and bigger and I'm just waiting for this show to disappoint me. But as I record this, um, I am over halfway and it's perfect, like 100% perfect, but because it's so fucking popular, like really popular domestically, um, and I guess internationally, I don't know, but definitely domestically, um, it's doing so well that they've given it a one episode extension. So now it's going to be 17 episodes in length, um, which, you know, I'm glad it's doing well, but this horrifies me because if they've written and planned for 16 episodes and then you just got to shove an extra episode in there, like, do they have story for this? Like, it's so tight and good and perfect. And I'm just dying over how good this show is. Um, so if the show continues as good as it has so far, then it will be my favorite show of the year, hands down. And if it's as good as it has been so far, it will be my favorite, one of my favorite shows of all time ever. Like, I'm already just dying to rewatch it. It's so good. Um, so I've been madly excited about this show ever since I first heard about it. So this one started airing in early November 2021, and I've just been on it the second those episodes come out, like same day. It's so good. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, so this one I was really excited about immediately because of multiple reasons. Uh, one would be the casting. Or... Yeah, I guess so. The casting for me. So Lee Joon Ho stars as the male lead in this, the Prince Yisan. Lee Joon Ho is from Just Between Lovers. He's also from that Walk in the Box drama, Walk of Love, whatever, Walkie Walk, uh, that like food drama, which I haven't seen. And he's also in another drama called Confession. So I adored him 
in Just Between Lovers. Like I loved him in that so much that I was like, what else is he in? And then I just never got into any of the other stuff that he's in. And I just like, I'm like, oh, maybe I just love Just Between Lovers. And, you know, he's so good in Just Between Lovers. I think he's an amazing actor. Um, so I was happy when I saw that he was cast in this um, and happier once I started watching it because he's brilliant in this like I just can't believe how good he is the presence that he has in this drama is amazing and I was so excited because an actress that I adore Lee Se-yong also got cast as the female lead so Lee Se-yong is from Hit the Top uh, she plays a female lead she's also plays the zombie in Korean Odyssey uh, which is great I love her in that um she's also in heaps of other stuff Re repeat the no Anyway, she's in stuff. <laughs> um, I really, really love her. She's one of my favorite actresses. And I was just so excited to see casting that I liked, but particularly the setting and the drama and the story I would have been interested in anyway. So then I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm already interested in this. And now you've cast this actor and actress that I really, really like. Like, I can't believe this. So I've been so excited about this. This one is described as a traditional saguk. So that means more, uh, but it is a romance. So a traditional romance saguk. Um, so that means it is more serious. It's more like they're trying to be more historically correct than say something like King's Affection, which they're really, you know, it's it's much more like kind of youth feeling, I suppose, that drama. Um, whilst I think the red sleeve cuff, they're trying to be very particular about the history. But at the same time, it's not like it's still it's a romance. It's a swoony romance to the max. So there's still like romance tropes like, you know, she falls on him or, you know, all this kind of stuff that if you're a romance fan in K-dramas, you love this shit, right? I do. Anyway, I do. I love this shit. Um, but the thing that I, I guess, you know, and I've mentioned before how much I love um, Korean history or am interested in Korean history and want to know more, but uh, this one's set in a very particular time in Korean history. And I think everyone, I mean, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people who've been watching K-drama for a long time, particularly if you've watched any historicals, you've probably heard of the very infamous um, true history story of Crown Prince Sado. So Crown Prince Sado was, you know, obviously he was a crown prince. This was in the 1700s in Joseon, Korea. And he had some issues, um, which probably modern day would be able to be diagnosed as some very severe mental health issues. But of course, at that time, there's no infrastructure for that sort of thing. So he wouldn't have done very well in terms of being helped or supported or treated. Um, and he ended up kind of going off the rails um, in a very scary way, this crown prince, um, and murdering and potentially rape, well, not potentially, do it, yeah, raping people, um, a lot of court ladies of, you know, the palace at that time where he lived. So this is all true. Um, and to kind of stop him doing this, um, and this is my understanding, like I'm no freaking expert. I've just done, you know, a little bit of reading and drama watching, I suppose. But, you know, I just take it all with a grain of salt. You should do your own reading if you want to know the absolute truth. But here's my version. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Um, so... Yeah, basically, it comes to light that this crown prince is doing these things. And, you know, the family can't really hide it. He's murdering a lot of people. And the king at the time, who I might point out is the same king played by Jong Yoo in Hechi. Um, so once he becomes a king, 
uh, in Hechi, this is like what happens in the next generation, I suppose, after that drama ends. Um, so the king at the time, you know, this is his son who's going around killing people and they have a very, very fraught relationship. And it's very, very interesting to read about Ooh, the issues in the way the father sort of treats the son. And I think I read some stuff about him, like kind of humiliating his son in front of the court. And, you know, his son has a lot of problems because I don't know. Anyway, um, so you can't really you don't want to say you're a murderer to this son because he's the crown prince and he has a child who's a boy. And if they get rid of the crown prince, because he clearly, you know, he's in no state to rule, they need to remove him from the picture to enable his son to take over the throne. Um, so crown prince Sado, you know, they want to remove him, but you can't just accuse him of murder because if someone is, you know, murdering people, then there's an element of being a murderer's son or being tainted and they can't let the little boy prince be tainted by his father's crimes because how can that boy then rise up to the throne and be taken seriously you know his enemies won't let him and at this point in Joseon there's a lot of like factional strife and a lot of problems um so you know a lot of political like uh scary stuff I suppose um in terms of intrigue and stuff and backstabbing in the palace and so what the king does is he basically tells his son, Crown Prince Sado, to kill himself because that's the best way out, that's the honourable way out or whatever to protect the little the little prince. Um, and apparently, like I read a thing, I, I don't really know and I'd need to look into it more, but apparently Crown Prince Sado did attempt to kill himself, but it didn't work. And eventually his father orders him to, this is the famous part, to get inside a um, rice chest. So it's like, it's super like dark. All this stuff is so dark, but it's such a famous story, I suppose, in Korean history, um, particularly out of Joseon. Uh, so he gets inside the rice chest and, you know, he slowly dies and he dies. Uh, so it's awful. It's fucked. And his son becomes crown prince and grows up in the shadow of that. And everyone is banned from talking about crown prince Sado. And everyone is sort of, the idea is that no one... And everyone knows that the crown prince, the new younger crown prince, is crown prince Sado's son, but they kind of, it's like the royal family is trying to kind of, I guess, uh, diminish that connection because they don't want it to taint the younger boy. And so the red sleeve cuff is set in the aftermath of that very, very famous incident, which isn't portrayed in the drama. You never see it in the drama, but it's referenced a lot. And the shadow of you know, this really traumatic event hangs over everything in the drama. Um, so our main character, the main crown prince character played by the actor Lee Jun-ho and obviously by a younger version at the start of the show, is Sado's son. Um, and he has grown up, you know, he sees this happen. He sees his grandfather basically tell his dad to kill himself and he lives with the the shadow of having a father who everyone in the court whispers about as being a man who went insane and hurt people and everyone in the drama like a lot of people are kind of sitting around and watching this crown prince Yi San and waiting to see if 
he's going to go the same way. So it's really scary politically for this crown prince. Um, oh my gosh, I'm just getting so carried away right now. Sorry, guys. I should have kept all this for when I do like my proper episode. Now you're going to have to listen to me blather on again and again. Oh my gosh. But I'm honestly like so excited by this show. And I've just given you all the history stuff, which you may or may not be interested in. It might be boring, but I love it. It's so interesting. And I love the mix of the history and not. So this drama, The Red Sleeve Cuff, is based on the real life story of, um, you know, Yi-san, Crown Prince Sado's son, rising up to the throne and also taking a court lady as his consort. So, of course, back then, Joseon Kings would have, you know, they'd have their wife who was someone, a very arranged match from, you know, a very particular you know, appropriate clan or whatever, high high up young bun clan. Um, but kings were also have multiple consorts and, and millions of children and stuff. So this really is, um, it's apparently, I didn't realize, but I just read a thing recently saying, you know, they're, I guess their love story is a very famous love story in Korean history. And you're like, I don't know how true all that is. I'm hoping to do some more reading on it, but, um, there's a novel that's been based, you know, and obviously a novelized romance fiction novel based on their romance story. And that's what the drama is based on. So these people were real. Uh, obviously, a lot of the events in the drama are not real, but some of the big political shifts and characters are going to be real. And I feel like this is my favorite kind of drama where it's like there's so much swoony romance, but the stakes are just sky high. And I'm kind of learning about history and everything's so exciting. So there is some political stuff in this show but I feel like it never gets too much or boring or convoluted because our two leads so you know the crown prince and also court lady Dokim who is played by the actress Iseong are so caught up in the middle of all that stuff like it's just so fucking good and the swoony romance just makes me like hold my breath like the tension between these two is just like oh it's so good I've just like I'm in heaven when I watch this show it's like oh I'm so excited okay I need to stop talking about it because I'm just like crapping on and on oh my gosh I'm sorry guys I'm so, I just love it I love it I love it I love it it's all I want to talk about and everyone in my life is already like really bored of me talking about it too much so that's why I did that to you just then oh my gosh Anyway, what a beautiful, beautiful drama. It's just an absolute joy. It also looks gorgeous. The costumes, everything. <gasps> okay, I'm going to go. Um, so that was me just waffling on um, about my adoration for the red sleeve cuff or the red sleeve. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I didn't mention it before, but you know I'm obsessed with the drama when I start changing like my phone wallpaper and background <laughs> to be like a movie, a drama poster, which I absolutely have done for the Red Sleeve. Um, I'm changing all my you know different digital backgrounds to be Red Sleeve backgrounds, except for the one on my computer, which will forever remain Udo Hwan in my country, the the New Age, which is so epic. What an epic show. Anyway, so I'm moving on to a different 2021 drama, even though it's really, really hard for me to stop talking about The Red Sleeve, but I will force myself to do so. Um, I'm also currently watching another um, recently, you know, aired show from which started airing in November 2021. And this one is called Let Me Be Your Night. It is, oh, 
12 episodes, so it's quite short. It's only 12 episodes. I think I might have watched, I don't know, six episodes, something like that. Uh, why did I watch this one? <laughs> Embarrassing reasons, of course. Uh, this is this is Lee Jun Yong's latest drama. So this is, you know, the one, your one, your man from uh, Imitation and also the Refrigerator AI Intelligent Fridge drama. Um, please don't date him. Um, this drama is bonkers. Like, and I have to say, like, I love Lee Jun Yong. He's fantastic. He's one of those dudes that I've sort of discovered this year in 2021 that I think is excellent. I want to see everything he does. But I don't know why he picked this show. And in saying that, this show is absolutely charming. I'm enjoying it so much. But he's literally come off the back of doing Imitation, which is a K-pop show about him being the leader of a K-pop band. And the leader is like a perfectionist, a workaholic, is really like... I don't know, I don't want to say mean, but like, you know, not super happy and smiley. And he's literally playing like the exact same character in this. He's like the leader of a K-pop, you know, like they're a K-pop group or whatever. And he's a perfectionist and a workaholic and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it's really weird. I just think it's really odd. I feel like if I was him, I would be branching out. But I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I am not him. <laughs> I am actually not Lee Jun Young. Um... What a surprise. In saying that, in saying all that complaining that I just did, thoroughly enjoying this show. It's so silly. It's just the silliest silly show that ever sillied around the shop. And if you're looking for something light and silly and fluffy and slightly stupid to watch, um, then watch this. It's great. I'm loving it. <laughs> so this one is about, uh, it stars um, an, an actress called Jong, Jong In Son who I don't think I've seen before. And she basically, you know, she's your candy, just working a whole bunch of jobs. And then she gets, you know, she gets scammed and then she loses all her money. And then through some mad circumstances, she's pretending to be an insomnia doctor working for a K-pop group as they live in k-pop doctor of the lead singer of their band who is a very traumatized troubled young man um, played by the actor Lee Jun Young of the you know beautiful face and she has to basically spend all her time next to him forever to try and solve his insomnia and of course um you know hijinks ensue all over the shop and all sorts of silly things happen and on top of that there's like four other cute dudes who live in the house who all have their own little things going on um this drama is so silly it's so silly and I'm just having such a fun time watching it it's just really fun and it's a bit dumb <laughs> I wouldn't say it's smart, smart television, but like you get exactly what you want. Like you, you go into this, you know, you know what you're going to get and then that's what you're going to get. So I don't know. I'm just thoroughly having a nice time. It's one of those, just turn your brain off and watch some silly romance hijinks and get some joy out of it. So yeah, perfect end of year fair. Really, really nice. Uh, so that's it for Let Me Be Your Night. Happiness. This is uh, my second last drama. Uh, Happiness is only 12 episodes. Each episode is an hour. I've just finished it very recently, like yesterday. Yeah, 
the day before, really, really recently. Uh, this one started airing in November 2021. It is a thriller. It features zombies. It's got a bit of a horror element. It's got some scary bits, um, but mainly it's kind of a drama about a whole bunch of people locked in a huge Korean apartment block um, with lots of infected zombie types outside and potentially some inside. And of course, all the drama that ensues between all these different personalities locked up in the building. Uh, so the reason I watched this one was because I was so excited because it was a re-teaming of the director and the screenwriter from the 2019 OCN crime thriller drama Watcher. Watcher is one of my favorite dramas of all time and I loved it and I just couldn't wait to see what this team would do next. Um, I don't think happiness for me personally is as tight as Watcher, um, but it's really fun and I really loved it. Um, I've, I've got a big old episode on this one that'll be coming out soon enough. Um, I really thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this show. It's so much fun. But in saying that, I'm a zombie fan. I love anything with zombies. I have no fucking idea why. Like, I really don't. But I do. I just do. Um, this one stars Han Hyo-ju from W, Two Worlds Apart. And also Park Yong-sik from uh, Strong Woman Bong Soon and other stuff. Um, and they're both brilliant in it. They're so good. Particularly, I have to say, Han Hyo-ju is amazing in this drama. Like, she's just so good. Her character is so interesting and fun and badass and cool. And as a duo, like, they're best friends, but he's completely in love with her. And you don't really know for most of the drama if she's reciprocating or not, or if she's even noticed that he exists or not. Um, but they're very close and comfortable, and they're both total badasses, like, going around and just being awesome and throwing themselves into danger and just being generally very cool. Um, really, really enjoyed this. Um, I really also like those kind of, you know, a whole bunch of people trapped together and threatened by monsters kind of a thing. I remember when the first um, concept for this kind of came out and I learned about it, it kind of reminded me of Sweet Home, which I think came out, what, in 2020, I suppose, another Netflix one. Uh, and I really, really liked Sweet Home, which again, you know, a whole bunch of people stuck in an apartment building with monsters. But this one's so different because it's much more real world. It's like set in very clean, modern apartment block. And the, I guess the kind of the zombie sort of infection is treated much more like a real thing instead of turning people into like skyscraper sized monsters like happened in um sweet home which was a very different kind of feel um so anyway i thoroughly enjoyed happiness i personally found it really fun um in saying that it is a very dark gory bloody zombie kind of show um but all the human stuff like human elements and emotion is what made it so good to me and I just had such a fun time watching it uh, I was a bit slow for me to get into the first two episodes were a bit slow but as soon as you hit I think once the, the part where they all get locked in the apartment I was just like I was totally into it it was really really fun uh, so yeah that's that's all I say on happiness now I've got one more drama and then I'm done So the final K-drama from 2021 that I'm going to chat about is Hellbound, which is another Netflix kind of uh, intense, scary, scary thingamabobby that came out on Netflix. So this one stars UIN and also a bunch of other people. 
and and very cool concept I'm I'm G actually watched this one with me so we're gonna do a joint episode on this one as soon as I can make him sit down and sit still <laughs> enough to do it <laughs> soon hopefully because uh, that'll I'll, ha- I'll have that episode out really soon I have a lot of thoughts about this drama like a lot a lot um, I was always gonna watch it because concept wise fascinating very high concept very interesting but I do have a lot of thoughts about the execution of the show by which I kind of had some issues with some of it not the story I thought the story and the concept was excellent but I think more just about how it got put together and I don't know that it fully worked for me and I feel like I could see really simple ways of making it fully work but in saying that concept wise what a fascinating show so this one's basically set in the near future and these mad like uh like uh, uh, prophecies i suppose are coming out and they say to people you're gonna die at this certain point and you're gonna go to hell and whenever that certain point is um these mad big scary monsters turn up violently beat that person and then burn them to death and bring them to hell for eternal horror stuff it's it's kind of like a horror I guess um and you know when these sort of things happen people want to make sense of it but it doesn't really make sense so a cult leader man played by the actor Yuan is sort of you know, placing himself as the new messiah of the new world and people are flocking to him to provide them with hope and understanding for this thing that they can't get their heads around because it's so scary. And meanwhile, there's a lawyer played by the actress Kim Hyun-ju who was also in Watcher and is great. I love her. She's a great actress. Um, And she is very suspicious of our cult leader UIN and feels that he might not be all that he says he is. Uh, I have lots of thoughts about this, but I actually, for some reason, I think just because I want to discuss it with G, I really want to keep these ones kind of um, in my head until until I talk to him, because then I feel like I'll just be able to discuss it better with him. So listen out for an episode on Hellbound, um, hopefully soonish. Did I enjoy it? Yes, I did. I feel like I have a big issue with it that I'll talk about um, when I do the episode. But the stuff, the part in it that I liked, I liked so much. Like, whoa, so cool. Absolutely so cool. Um, All right. So, yeah, I won't go into it now. So that's all I'll say on Hellbound um, from 2021, the Netflix K-drama. All right, so that's everything that I kind of watched or started watching, I think, in 2021. Although, as I say that, I'm already realizing that I didn't put Love Alarm Season 2 in here, so I'm probably missing stuff that I saw. But whatever, it's too late. I can't go back. Um, But what I just quickly wanted to do before I finish up is just mention... Oops, I dropped my pen. (laughs) Um, Just mention some shows that I missed this year that I would still like to see. So I really want to watch Hospital Season, uh, Hospital Playlist Season 2. I loved Season 1, but for some reason just didn't get around to Season 2 this year. Um, one that's really recently started airing that I'm weirdly interested in is called Shadow Beauty. I don't know anything about it, but the concept sounds interesting. It's high school set, but it looks 
very, very dark, like kind of psychological. Um, and I don't know really what it is or what it's about, but for some reason I'm very drawn to it and want to give that a go soon. Um, I really want to see Vincenzo with Song Joong-ki. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge, like, mad Song Joong-ki fangirl, but I do like him. Um, I really like the female lead in that drama whose name has momentarily escaped me. Uh, she's great. Uh, she was from Be Melodramatic. Um, so I really want to watch Vincenzo. I feel like I've heard really great things about it. And I'm quite into like that whole anti-hero thing. I think that's very fascinating. I like morally slightly unethical heroes just because, I don't know, it's more interesting to me than people who are too good. Um, I don't know why. I really want to watch the crime like detective show called Beyond Evil. I feel like that's a 2021 drama uh, with Yojingu, I think. Um, I really want to see that and I've heard very good things about it. Uh, there was a drama called Dear M that was supposed to come out at the start of the year, which is a youth campus love triangle drama. I was really excited about it, even though, again, there's no one in it that I particularly know or care about, but I just... I don't know, love triangle, <laughs> campus. Um, but that one had a big scandal and it just seems to be permanently like not airing, which makes me so sad for all the young like actors and actresses and the production crew and everyone who put their money in it. And it's just like not coming out. I understand there's an issue there and a scandal, but still makes me sad. Uh... Oh, Doom at Your Service came out with So Ingook and Park Boyong this year. I haven't seen that one yet. There was so much buzz about that one. I feel like people loved it and I was really excited, um, but I just kind of hadn't started it and didn't get around to it. But then it was like when it ended, I don't know, I just stopped hearing about it really, really quickly. So I kind of forgot about it, I guess, but that one's definitely on my list. Uh, I think it's just started airing, but I haven't seen it yet, is Secret Royal Inspector and Joy with uh, Taekyeon and what's her name? Kim Hes. Oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, the female lead from Extraordinary You. Um, so that's a Joseon set one. I definitely want to watch that. And the actress Hyeri from, you know, my roommate is a gumiho. She has a new drama out with What's His Name? The dude from The Memorist, whose name's forgotten, I've forgotten his name, and he's also the dude from uh, I'm Not a Robot. Um, so that's another historical, and I'm very excited about it. I think potentially mainly because of Harry, and I'm just like, I just want to see this woman on my screen again. She's so good. Um, I really like her, so I'm looking forward to that. I've heard wonderful things about Yumi's Cells, but I've also heard, because there is multiple seasons of it, that it you feel like you're left in the lurch a little bit after season one, and maybe I'll wait till there's like more seasons out before I start it so I don't have to wait. Um, there's a new drama with... Oh, what's his name? I don't know what the... Dong Hoon, is that right? But with Wee Ja Hoon. Wee Ja Hoon? Hmm. Wee Ji Hoon? Wee Ji Hoon? my gosh, Wee Ha Joon, Wee Ha Joon, maybe that's it, anyway, sorry guys, <laughs> called Bad and Crazy, um, I'm talking about the dude from, who plays a detective guy in Squid Game, who's also the second male lead in Romance as a bonus book, and also Year One from, 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 from Goblin, who isn't Gong Yu, the other dude, my gosh, I should have looked these names up, anyway, Bad and Crazy, that looks sort of interesting, there's a drama called Idol the Coop, which is from 2021, and I am in two minds about it. 
Uh, it has Hani in it from You Raise Me Up. And I didn't have the best experience with her in You Raise Me Up. I don't feel like that's her fault, though. Um, but Idol the Coop actually has Kwok Young in it, who plays the mean, evil villain in um, Red Sky Lovers, who I just happen to weirdly love. And I'm kind of like, here's the lead role. I feel like I need to watch this. But I've heard it has like 0% viewership in Korea. And I don't know. I don't think... You know, that doesn't mean it's not a good drama. I don't know. Maybe it's still really good. So I think I'm still going to try that one. I really, really want to watch DP, which is a Netflix um, kind of very dark thriller detective thing. I think that looks great. And My Name, which again, dark thriller Netflix thing. Um, and I've also written down a drama that aired this year, 2021, called Work Later, Drink Now. And that one apparently is extremely popular um, and did really well. And they're making a season two of it with the returning cast. So um, I've heard good things and I just look, think it looks kind of fun, you know, like three women and a dude and they drink lots of alcohol and presumably have, I don't know, life hijinks, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that's it. That's it. That's all the stuff that I missed this year that I want to watch. And um, I did also watch a sea drama, so a Chinese drama that came out in 2021 called River Runs Through It, which I won't go into, but I do have a whole episode on that where I wax on about it to a lot of length. I sure do. <laughs> Oh, and I forgot to say, so favorite, I always am supposed to say at the end of these reviews every year, like favorite of the year. So interestingly, last year, my favorite I remember was Train, uh, which was the Yoon Shi Yoon kind of OCN detective parallel worlds drama. I loved it. Um, this year, even if it ends shit, it is the currently airing the red sleeve cuff. I think you could probably tell that from how much I talked about it when I got up to that one. I love it. I love it. It's all I think about and want to watch. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait until Saturday comes around and I can watch another episode. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and okay, I'm actually going to stop talking about it because you don't want to like get me started on that one again. <laughs> Thank you so much.